This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Chuck Ford and Relate Church in Byron, Mississippi. For more information, please visit RelateChurch.com. All right, hey, we're beginning a brand new series this morning, and uh, we do this every year. It's called You Asked For It. Everybody say, You Asked For It. It's called You Asked For It, and what we do during our Easter service, we take a survey and we ask, well, we let you tell us some things that you would like to hear taught on, and so we try to take the top six responses, or five, five responses, and we make a series out of it. And so some years, you know, it seems like this, that uh, most years you have some reoccurring topics, and it... it and for a good reason, because they're very important to our everyday life. And so we try to kind of take some and, and rotate them in and out, even if they're top. And so we're beginning today, looking forward to it. And it's going to be a great message. It's going to be helpful today. And for the rest of this month, it's going just going to be helpful to you. So we've got some great stuff that we're going to be sharing with you. And uh, how many of you, just for how y'all like this, uh, this cool look we have going on the ceiling here. It has nothing to do with the message. I just noticed it again, though. And this is, this is necessity for us to, you know, connect our buildings. We had to upgrade this building with a fire system in it. And so that's the way it looks right now. Now, when the students and kids move in here, this whole ceiling's going to be black, and it's going to just, all that's going to be done away with. It just all disappears. So, but for right now, we get to look at it. And it reminds me that we're under construction. It reminds you we're under construction in case you forgot. But uh, we're, things are going well. Uh, this beginning tomorrow, they're going to start cutting our concrete floors. And what that means, they're going to take the top layer off over there. And it's just going to expose the, the aggregate beneath. The surface going to be really, really sharp. So they're doing that. We've got our house lights going. We've got probably 90% of our sound and lighting installed and finishing up the painting and trim and Chairs will be here September 17th, and uh, so we're getting close. We're getting close. Amen. All right, enough of that. I want you to turn with me, in, if you would, in your Bibles to Ephesians, the second chapter. And, you know, I heard somebody say this, this one time, that the, the two most important days of a person's life is the day they were born and then the day they find out why they're born. And so I'm going to kind of combine two different thoughts this morning. How many of you know that before these powerful uh, GPS, global positioning satellites, if people were going to navigate, they had to navigate by the stars, especially sailors, they had to navigate by the stars. Y'all understand that? And and then some people still do that today as a hobby. They just navigate by the stars. And so, fortunately, there is, there is one star that never seems to move. It's called Polaris, or you might know it more as the North Star. And so, Polaris or the North Star, it, it's, it's always a constant. And so, especially sailors, if they're, if, they're, if they're on a voyage at night and they're wanting to get to a certain location, well, they have to locate that North Star and really, the North Star sets right above the North Pole. So if you want to know what true north is, you find the North Pole. So anytime you're talking about going in the direction of north, you're talking about going in the direction of North Pole. And so 
uh, if you were going to take a voyage to anywhere, they would have to find the location of the North Star. And from that, they could go in whichever direction they needed to go in and be confident that, you know, the direction they're going is the right direction. In life, we need a global positioning system. We, we, need to, we, had, we need to have a North Star in our life. We need, to have, we need to have a true North in our life. How many of you know that in the attempt to achieve success, sometimes people, they, man, they work hard, they go after it, they go after a dream, and they, they climb the ladder of success only to find out at the end that their ladder was against the wrong wall. They get to the very top and they look around and say, this is not where I wanted to be at all. And so it's important that you and I have this, this, this sense of true north about our life. In other words, that we, 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 you know, the day that we're born is important. We have other important days, but then another very important day is we know why we were born. And when you, do, when you ask the question, and so, you know, people ask the question like this, why was I born? Why was I, why am I alive? What is my purpose how many of you know it's an awful thing to live your life without purpose? It's, it's an awful thing to live your life without direction. And that was me for the first 21 years of my life. Well, you don't even think about it, you know, you know, until you're about 16 or 17 or 18, you start thinking about it. But having no hope and you have no purpose and you have no direction, so what are you going to do with your life? Well, I don't know. Just... And then, you know, well, make a lot of money. But how many of you know, even if you do that, man, that's just, uh, Solomon said it like this. He said he came to the end of his life and he had accumulated more wealth than anybody. He said, it's all vain. Because accumulating money will never satisfy you. Accumulating a lot of money and a lot of stuff. And now, now I'm like you, I wouldn't mind giving it a try. <laughs> but it'll never, never satisfy your heart. That's why, you know, people with millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, I mean, more money they can count or spend, they, they jump off buildings. Because they thought, man, if I could just make a million, oh, if I could just make another million, I'll be, oh, if I could just make another million, I'll be happy. And they realize that money is never going to fulfill. And the reason they, they're like that is because they never discovered their purpose. And so how many of you know that, that knowing what your purpose is in life is important? Yes. Now, I'm not talking about what is your vision for your life, but why were you born? You see, you, we can't, and we're going to talk about vision for our life, and we're going to talk about God's will for our life today, but until you settle, until you settle the question, why am I here, your vision will never take you in the direction that you really need to go. Are you listening? There, there's a difference between your purpose and your vision. Your purpose is why you're here. Your vision is the way things are going to look like, what they're going to look like when you get to the end of your life. But that's not your purpose. And so it's important that we, that we, we land on our purpose. And when you discover your why, you'll begin to, to discover your way. You'll never discover your way until you settle the why. And so just let me just kind of give it to you just in a real short sentence, and this is not in your notes, but the reason that you exist today, the reason that you were born, 
You were born, you are here to glorify God with your life. The Bible tells us in Colossians, Paul says this, that everything, absolutely everything, everything in heaven, everything on earth, thrones and dominion, find their purpose in Christ. In Christ. So your life and my life will never make sense. Life will never make sense until we're, until we're in a relationship with Christ, until we're settled in Christ, life will never make sense to us. Amen? Amen. So, you know, just starting from that place, and that is our true north, right? That is true north. I know north's back here. I'm looking this way, but he says, hey, don't even know where north is. Yeah, I know where north is. But until you settle that, you see, you can come up with any plan that you want to, but until your life is positioned, to glorify God. You can, even, you can even be doing the right thing. You can even be walking out the right vision. You, I mean, whether God's called me to, to be this, or he's called me to be that, or he's called me to you know, be a, a doctor or a lawyer or a preacher or uh, anything else, that's what God's called me to do. That's the vision for my life. But... You can do that apart from having a sense of purpose of glorifying God with your life. Even a preacher can do that. And so you got to settle the why. I exist. You exist to glorify God. We were created for his pleasure. Amen. And our life is to glorify God. Him in all things. Can you say amen? amen? So, so let's get to the vision part and let's begin to answer this question. How can I know God's will for my life? How can I know God's will for my life? Another way to ask that is what is God's vision for my life? What is God's plan for my life? Now, here's a great place to start. Here's a great place to start. You, first of all, you have to believe that God's got a plan for your life. That's right. And I, I tell you what, and if you can set, and if you can, if you can just if you can have faith in that, that God has a plan for my life, you don't even have to know what it is, but if you'll just, if you'll just believe that, that God has a plan for your life, that he has a will for your life, that he has something for you, if you can just believe that, I'll tell you what, you're way on your way to begin getting answers. Amen. So why don't you everybody just say, we say, God has a plan, has a plan. for my life. Say this way, say, I want to do what he wants me to do. Is that important? Does everybody think like that? No, a lot of times we want to do what we want to do. <laughs> I don't know about you, I don't, want, I don't want the Lord to let me do anything. Because he will let you do whatever you decide to do. I got to come down today. All right. He'll let you do whatever you want to do. But we don't want to do whatever we want to do. We want to do what he wants us to do. You know, something about Jesus. He said, I only do what I see my father do. 
He said, I didn't come to do my own will, but I came to do the will of him who sent me. Now, if anybody could choose their own way, if anyone could have chosen their own path, it would have been Jesus. I mean, he'd been been around for, for as long as time is. He was in the beginning with God, equal with God, created all things by the word of his power, upholds all things by the word of his power. And if anybody could have chosen their own path, it would have been him. But he said, I only do what I see my father do. And he said this, he said, I delight to do your will. Everybody say, I delight. To do the will of God. I delight to do the will of God. So, uh, notice this verse in Ephesians chapter 2, and you've been prayed for, you were prayed for yesterday in, in a Saturday morning prayer. I want to invite you to come to that, and uh, from 9 to 10 on Saturday mornings, and I wasn't here yesterday, but uh, I'm, I'm usually here every Saturday, and, and we pray, and we pray for this service, so you've been prayed for, all right? So in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, it says, for we are God's masterpiece. Now, you know, people may have told you something different. People may have told you that, that you know, that you're no good and you're never going to amount to anything and you're a waste of time and waste of, you're wasting the air that, that's being breathed. And, but notice what God says about you. God says that, We are his masterpiece. We're his masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do those good things he planned for us a long time ago. You know, God planned some things already. And it's really up to us just to discover what that is and begin to walk it out. You don't have to make it up. You don't have to engineer it. You don't have to create it. Are you listening? No, we just find it. All right, I'm his masterpiece. He's planned some good things a long time ago for me. I'm going to find out what that is. I like the way the Amplified says, it says, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which he predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Now, some of you, that is a great revelation. That not only does God have a plan for your life, but his plan, it's a good life. I mean, it's a life that, that, that if you would live this life, you would be blessed. Are you listening? That you would eat the good of the land, that it would be life and that more abundantly. It is a good life. And so if, if what you're doing is not resembling the good life, I would encourage you to step off that path and step on the path that we'll present to you today and then begin to, to walk in, in good lanes, good paths. Amen. So I like that. Living, everybody say, living the good life. Living the good life. Somebody, I heard somebody say, well, I'm not interested in any of this, this old world's goods. It, it calls it goods. 
Didn't say this world's bads. This world's goods. God is good. God does good. He has good things. He said, I mean, in Genesis, he talks about the, you know, there's some rivers that run through the, the garden there, and, and you know, there, there's gold in them, them, them their hills, and, and, the, and, and the gold in that land is bad. Stay away from it. Is that what he said? No, he said the gold in that land is what? It's good. The good stuff is for us. I said the good stuff is for us. Isaiah, he says, hey, if you're willing and obedient, you're going to suffer through this life and you're not going to have anything and and the devil's always going to be whopping you upside the head and, and stealing all your stuff. And Now, what did he say? If you're willing and obedient, what's going to happen? You're going to enjoy what? The good of the land. That's the best. Some of y'all get more excited about that. Everybody say the best. So this is all in conjunction with you and I knowing and doing the will of God. So it would pay for us to do God's will. But before we do God's will, guess what you got to do? You got to know what it is. That's right. Is that right? You, You would have to know what it is before you could cooperate with God and do it. Y'all excited about this? Yeah. I'm excited yeah. about this. I'm going to preach it like you're excited about it. <laughs> now, when it comes to the will of God, there is both the general will of God that's true for all of us. It's exactly the same for all of us. And then there's the specific will of God for every individual. You understand? So there's one aspect of the will of God that is the same for all of us. It's his will that we all be saved. It's his will that we all be healed. It's his will that we all prosper, that we have victory in our life. Right? That it's that, you know, wisdom and joy and peace. I mean, it's his will. It's for all of us. But then there's the specific will of God. The specific will of God. And, you know, should I go to China? Or should I go to work at this company? Or should I, what school should I go to? Or what profession should I go into? So then there's, there's the specific. And a lot of times when we're asking, what is God's will for my life? We're asking more about the specifics of his will. But you know what I found out? That if we're not if we don't pay enough attention to the general, if we don't pay, if we despise the will of God that's already been revealed to us in his word, if we don't esteem that, we will never walk in the fullness of his specific will for our life. You know, look at it this way. Uh, If... There's people who say, well, well, God told me 
to do such and such. But what they're claiming that God told them to do contradicts what's written. And if what you're thinking you're hearing from God contradicts what is written, you ain't hearing from God. I don't care how strong the feelings are. I don't, I don't care how many goosebumps popped up on your, your back or your arm or your knees or... Are you listening? It doesn't matter how strong the feelings are. It doesn't matter what you saw, what you heard. If it, doesn't, if it contradicts this... If it contradicts this, y'all just back away really fast. Amen. So I haven't even gotten to the introduction yet, so I'm trying to get there. Okay. So in Psalm chapter 37, verse 4, and I want to show you how you can know. How you can know. And, and it doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, the, the light switch may come on overnight, but a lot of these things... You know, God will prove you faithful. Yes, he will. He'll test, allow you. I mean, you got to pass some tests along the way. You, you got to be proven faithful along the way, right? And, and if, you're, if, you're, if you're faithful in the small things, well, then he'll give you more. But if you're unfaithful in the small things, he's not going to go ahead and promote you anyway. You got to be faithful. Say it, Pastor Chuck. Don't spray it. So uh, you got to be you got to be faithful in the small stuff or what you would think is small. And I found this: not everything that you think is small is small at all. It is it is actually your test to get out of the first grade. Amen. So. Are we there? That scripture yet? Psalm 37, 4. He says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Let me tell you what this does not say. It doesn't say God's going to give you whatever you dream up and want. Take delight in the Lord, and he'll just give you whatever you want. <laughs> hey. So you say, man, if I just had a million dollars, the Lord just give me a million dollars, I'd do this. No, if, you, if God gave you a million dollars today, you'd be in Bahamas drinking on little fruity drinks with a little umbrella sticking out of it next weekend. We wouldn't see you. We wouldn't see you for weeks. <laughs> you'd all of a sudden, you would be, oh, I'm somebody. I'm somebody. I'm going to go sit under an umbrella somewhere. And I'm going to sip on some little drinks. <laughs> Take delight in the Lord. And he will give you your heart's desire. It's something about, and we'll get into it, but when you, when you begin to delight in the Lord, what does that mean to delight in the Lord? I mean, you get caught up with him. And if some of you, you were just being honest, and we're not going to ask you to be honest this morning. No, let me, let me say it like this. 
We're not going to ask you to answer out loud <laughs> or raise your hand. If you were being honest, when's the last time you enjoyed Jesus? I'm talking about before today. Let me say it, since last Sunday and not including today. When's the last time you enjoyed Jesus? Right. Well, I enjoy Jesus on Sundays. You're not delighting in the Lord. No. Take delight in the Lord. That just means, man, just, just enjoy Him. Yes. And what's going to happen when you begin to do that, what's he going to do? And he will give you your heart's desire. That doesn't mean he's going to give you what you want. It means he's going to give you what he wants for you. Right. Amen. He, he's, going, he's going to put some things yes. in you. Yes. He's going to birth some things in you. Yes. He's going to cause these new desires to come up in you. Yes. And you're going to go, wow. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Come on. You go, wow. I can't see myself doing that. But it's him and not you. And when God gives you something, it ought to freak you out a little bit. When God gives you something, it ought to, it ought to, it ought to, it ought to put you in a place of dependency on him. Where you have to trust him. Amen. So take delight in the Lord. So this is something you have to do. This is, this is action you have to take. If you to take delight in the Lord, that's something you do. That's not something God does for you. You've got to do this. You've got to take delight in him. These are actions that you and I have to take. And if we'll take these, if, if we'll take these actions, I, I like to say it like this, the, the right disciplines, the right disciplines create or cultivate the right desires. So if, if we'll put the right disciplines into place, it'll cultivate or create in us the right desires. Yeah. Is everybody here, is your desires always right? No. <laughs> no. But when the more we spend, the more we delight ourselves in Him, yeah. the more we enjoy Him, and when, we, when we're practicing these disciplines, they'll create or cultivate the right desires in us desires that come from him. Amen. Amen. So how are you going to know the will of God? Well, God's going to put something in you. Right. I like it like this. You know, the, the, the cream just rises to the top. <laughs> so God will begin to cultivate or create something in you. And if, you, if you'll stick with it long enough and you'll delight yourself in him long enough, what, what he puts in you, it'll just, it'll, it'll grow, it'll grow and grow. And it'll come to the top. You say, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Amen. So let's talk about these, these disciplines that cultivate right desires. Number one, to take delight in the Lord just means you take delight in the service of the Lord. Yeah. Take delight in the service of the Lord. Now, how are you going to delight yourself in the Lord and don't serve the Lord? How, how are you going to delight yourself in Him, but you don't serve Him? Can't do it, right? 
So we have to delight ourselves in the service of the Lord. Romans chapter 12, verse 11 says, Don't be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Everybody say enthusiastically. Enthusiastic. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. I mean, should we ever serve the Lord and, and have a bored appearance about us? No, we're going to serve him. We ought to serve him enthusiastically. Serving him. And if we've talked, if we talk, because this is a value, and we, because it's a value, we talk about it a lot. But here's the fact. We're the most like Jesus when we're serving. Yes. We're the most like Christ when we're serving. Amen. Amen. And so it's important that we serve the Lord enthusiastically. And so, you know, probably for the great majority of you in here, the place that you're going to serve the Lord and you're going to find that expression and you're going to find that, that place to serve him is right here in the local church. For the great majority of the people in here, that's, that's where you're going to serve him. You're going to find a place, a meaningful place where you make a difference and you serve him right here in the local church. And some people say, well, uh, and we've heard this before, well, they, they, don't, they don't need me. They got all the positions filled. They don't need me. You know, behind the scenes, on the inside, we've got, we have an organizational chart. Y'all know what that is? It's an organizational chart and it has every position in the church. Anywhere from staff, I mean, all the way through, every position. And we got a lot of empty boxes in that org chart. And then we got, we got some folks like staff, their name is in those boxes more than once. And so I've, we've, we've talked about this. I've told them, we got to get your names out of all these boxes. Only your name just needs to show up one time. That's it. Right? And so you say, well, they, they don't need me. No. It, and it's not really a matter, do we need you? So are you going to serve the Lord? Are you going to serve the Lord? And so, uh, you know, we, everybody ought to serve the Lord. Everybody who wants to delight in the Lord needs to serve the Lord. Amen. So, just so happens, we have a, we, we can start you on an inside track today <laughs> on how you can get involved in serving the Lord and making a difference. We've got, we've got a four-step process that we'll take you through that help you to, you know, identify how God has gifted you, your personality, and how you can get involved in serving the Lord and making a difference. It's called starting point. It's our membership process and how you become a member, how you find out what our vision is, how you can find out how you can serve. And so that begins today in the very next service right back here in our offices. So if you've never done that or you need to do it again, that's where you go right after this service. Amen. So number one, you delight in the service of the Lord. Number two, what does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? You delight in the word of the Lord. Also known as Read your Bible. <laughs> Everybody say, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Colossians 3.16 says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Fill your lives. Well, how are you going to let the message about Christ fill your life if you're not 
Well, I just, I thought that's your job, Pastor Chuck, coming here and you give us a message on Sunday. Look, most, most Christians, they, they feed their bodies three hot meals a day, fill, feed their spirit one cold snack a week. Preaching is important. You know what, I, I, see, I see our services, they're, they're, they're catalyst events. It's, 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 services should act as a catalyst to get us doing something throughout the week. Right. Not just waiting on the next catalyst. Yeah. Well, I need, no, I need a boost. Well, get your boost on Monday morning. Amen. <laughs> Frank Childs brings me a, every, every Sunday he brings me this little, uh, it's a, uh, I'll forget the name of it. Anyway, it's a spark, called Spark. It's just a, it's a health energy type drink. It's a powder you put in water and you mix it up. But man, if I, was, if, I was waiting on, if I was waiting on some energy just on Sundays, you'd be dragging all week long. But some, some Christians are dragging all week long. Because they, they get pumped up on Sunday. Ooh, Pastor Chuck, that was a great sermon. And Facebook, ooh, that was a great sermon. And they get Facebook, and then you don't hear anything else for a whole week. They don't ever talk about what they're getting from God. They don't ever talk about what they're reading in their Bible. Let the word of Christ and all its richness fill your life. So you say, where do I start? In the New Testament. We're living under a, a, a new covenant with better promises. You say, are you tell me I shouldn't read the Old Testament? I'm telling you, you ought to put the, the new first. I mean, there, there are a lot of preachers. They're preaching Old Testament theology, and it's not even for us. No, we, we need... What, what did... Read the Gospels. Get that clear picture of Jesus and that clear picture of God. Read the letters to the churches. Those are letters to us. And a lot of that is different from what you read in the old and how we're to act and how we're to behave. And, you know, people, oh, we'll get to it in a minute. But, and, you know, so many people talk about, oh, God, do this for me. Oh, God. And he's always, I've already done that for you. Read the New Testament. I've already done it. Well, God do that. He's already done it. Right. Got to have New Testament theology. Read your New Testament. That's, right. yeah. That's what we do as a church every day, Monday through Friday. We read one chapter out of the New Testament. Yeah. Yeah. We'll say, That's not much. You do that year after year after year after year, you do a lot more than 90% of Christians do. Right. Amen. 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 So, delight in the Word. So when, when you're reading the Word of God, when you're reading the Word of God, and that's why we do one chapter, because if, if, you, if, you're trying to, if you're trying to read, I mean, seven or eight chapters, and if you want to do that, fine, but if you're trying to do that and you feel like you have to speed read through it all, and, and you're just trying to check something off your list, and I don't have a problem with Bible plans at all, but if you, some of them things get rather lengthy, and if you're just trying to, and you've got to speed read through it all, and you're skipping over it, and you're not comprehending, it's not doing you any good. Right. I mean, read a short chapter and get something out of it. Yes. Yes. And talk about it with your friends and at your office. That's 
and tweet about that and Facebook about that and Instagram that and I mean whatever. Amen. Everybody say delight in the word. And besides that, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind that you may, uh, that, that you may know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You've got to get your thoughts renewed with his thoughts yes. because the way you think about you is not necessarily the way he thinks about you. And what other people have spoken about you is not how God speaks about you. So you've got to find, you've got to take his words and you've got to take his thoughts and you've got to get them in your mind and change your thinking. And when you change your thinking, you'll change your life. Amen. So delight in the word. And then number three, number three, everybody say number three. We should delight in the presence of God. Well, when we, when we can spend time in God's presence, whether it's two minutes or whether it's two hours at a time. And here's, here's another, you know, kind of uh, wrong thinking. People think that only spiritual giants can really get close to God. And they think that you've got to spend hours a day praying. I mean, you read some of the old history and literature from some of the old, I mean, powerful, powerful saints of God, and they talked about the, the morning hour. Some of them talked about the morning half hour. Some of them even talked about the morning quarter hour. Now, how long is that? 15 minutes. If you read one chapter out of your Bible, out of the New Testament, you know how long that's going to take you? Three and a half minutes on average to read Read one chapter out of the news, it's going to take you three and a half minutes. And then you do that, and that leaves you, I mean, that leaves you what, 11 and a half? Is that my math right? Yeah. 12 and a half, 13 and a half, 14 and a half? Yeah. No, 11 and a half. 11 and a half, right? It's going to leave you 11 and a half minutes that you can just spend time praying. And when I say pray, I'm not talking about just always asking God for something. You're going to run out of stuff to say pretty soon. Especially if you go to Relate Church, because we're going to find ourselves where there's no lack in our life, and we're not lacking for anything. So, so what you going what you going to pray about if you don't have any lack in your life? And so, I'm, so I'm not talking about asking God for something. I'm talking about just worshiping God, just praising God and and worshiping Him, spending time worshiping God, just loving on Him and letting Him love on you. And and so, man, we're, we're in this pursuit of, you know, we're just experiencing God's presence. We're delighting in his presence. And some folks are just so, they're, they're, oh, Lord, I just, want, I just want your presence. Oh, Lord, I just want your presence. And he's thinking, you know, and, and we even, there's a scripture in here that, that it's in your notes, and it says this. One thing in Psalm 27, 4, one thing I've asked of the Lord, and that I'll seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord in his presence all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty, the delightful loveliness, and majestic grandeur of the Lord, and to meditate in his temple. People just struggling so much. How do I get there? How do I get there? Never realizing, see, here's some, here's some more New Testament theology, never realizing that you are the house of the Lord, that God lives in you. Greater is he that is in you 
You and I, both individually and corporately, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. His presence is in us. And so we're always searching out here, searching out. Trying, I, I, just want, I just want to feel the presence. You don't need to feel the presence. Don't worry about feeling the presence. Delight in the presence of God. Just delight in his presence. So how do you do that? You just begin to worship him. Lord, I love you. I worship you. I give you thanks and praise. You are good. And your mercy endures forever. And, and you can do that for about 10 minutes. You might not be feeling, but you're going to be aware. You're going to be aware of his presence. You're going to be delighting his presence. So when you combine all three of these, when you combine all three of these, when, when, when you're delighting, when you're delighting in the will of God, when you're delighting in the word of God, when you're, when you're delighting in the presence of God, Guess what begins to happen? He begins to form something on the inside of you. He begins to fill you with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. He begin, something begins to form on the inside of your heart. Desires begin to form and take shape on the inside of you. And so all that fogginess, all that obscurity, all that unknowing, it begins to just fade out and disappear in the light of, I mean, the will of God just coming up on the inside of you. So what do you have to do? you got to delight yourself in the Lord. What, what, are, the, what are the actions that you have to take? Y'all help me out. What, what are the disciplines? What's the first one? Delight in the service of the Lord. Number two, what is it? Delight in the word of the Lord. You see, God ain't ever, you, I mean, how many of you ever sat in your driveway and tried to steer your car without it moving? And God had never steered no parked car. And he's never, he's never steered a parked life. Do what you know to do. So what do we know to do? We know to serve the Lord. What do we know to do? We know to delight ourselves in the word of the Lord. What do we know to do? Spend time in God's presence. Amen. And as we do that, things will begin to change on the inside. Amen. Amen. Now, hey, before everybody starts moving around, clicking binders and stuff like that, I just heard one click. I'm not looking that way. <laughs> before, we, before we start doing that and moving around, this is a very important part of the service because there's people in here that need to make a decision for Christ today. Yes. And so before we leave, I just want to make sure that everyone in, in here, and please, let's all just, just sit still for a minute. Before we leave, just make sure that everyone in here is in a right relationship with Jesus. And I don't want to assume that anybody is just because you came to church. I tell you what, I went to church for a long time, and I wasn't right with God. I believed in God. I, I, I like church for the most part. But I didn't belong to him. I wasn't right with him. Jesus said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because God, he hears the words of our mouth, but he checks our heart. He looks at our heart. So I want to make sure that you're in a right relationship with Jesus. And so you would know whether you are or not. I'm not asking, you know, you got saved and then you, you messed up yesterday. You, 
you know, you talked ugly to your dog or. But you know what I mean. You, you know if you're secure in Christ. You know if you have a relationship with Christ. You say, Pastor Chuck, I'm not sure if I do or not. Well, look, hey, I know that I'm married. If someone asks me, hey, are you married? Well, let me think about that. Uh, you know, I think I am, but I'm not real sure. No, I, I know that I'm married. And when you're in a relationship with someone, you know that you're in a relationship. And if you have a relationship with Christ, you know that you have a relationship with Christ. If you don't know that you have, if you have a relationship with Christ, then you don't. Well, I don't like how direct you're being. I want, you know, somebody just needs to love you enough to tell you the truth. But you can be. That's the good news. You can be. So I want to give you that opportunity this morning. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in here today and You've never given your whole heart and your whole life to Jesus. I mean, you haven't, maybe you've said some words at one point. Maybe you walked the aisle and shook a preacher's hand one time. But you've never, you've never given your whole heart and your whole life to him. To the point you say, I'm going to do whatever it is that he wants me to do. Today's your day. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to stand. But just with an uplifted hand. I'm going to count to three. That's you. Lift your hand. We're going to pray for you. One, two, three right now. Thank you. See your hand. Anyone else? I'm looking across the room. Lift them high. Don't be shy. Thank you. See your hands. Thank you. Both of you. See your hands. Anyone else? That's awesome. Good. All right. Let's pray. Everybody pray this out loud from your heart. Do it from your heart. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, come into my heart and save me. Thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Church, let's give these a really big hand.